listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. Good morning, everybody. Y'all doing all right this morning? Oh, that was so weak. Y'all doing all right this morning? Good to see all of you. I love seeing the smiling faces, and I was just uh, ecstatic that I got to worship alongside of you uh, this morning. I'm just going to keep on going. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, uh, my name is Brian Capiello. I'm the assistant pastor at New Chapel, and, and normally it's Pastor Joe who's up here preaching to you, uh, but we were excited to be able to send him and his family uh, on their required sabbatical. And it is in New Chapel's bylaws that every seven years of completed ministry uh, requires a one-month sabbatical uh, from our senior pastor. And, and my wife and I, we got these photos. Go ahead, throw that up there, guys. Last week from them, uh, I don't know how they're managing with four children uh, rolling around in that living in there for the, for the uh, month, but I know that they're having a blast. Uh, they've been, it's been uh, awesome to hear some of the stories uh, from what they've been doing. This is uh, awesome, and we miss the Bevilacos, trust me, we miss them, uh, but we are excited that they get to go make memories with their family, enjoy this time, and, uh, you know, rhythms in life is important, and Pastor Joe is constantly talking about rest, and for a pastor who plans on doing ministry until either uh, Jesus comes back or he's gone, uh, this is important, and so we're excited. We know he's going to come back refreshed, rested, with fresh direction and vision from God for New Chapel, and I'm excited about week two of our current series, Bonfire Stories. Uh, and if you're new today, uh, we're doing church a bit differently this month, but we're excited about it. Uh, we're experiencing and revealing the power of God through our personal stories. And one thing I know to be true is that there's nothing more powerful than a changed life through Christ. And we've seen it here. We've seen God restore marriages that were broken. We've seen him physically heal people in their bodies. And we've seen him set people free from their addictions. It's incredible. And I'm grateful that we serve a God who when we're hurting and broken and addicted, that he loves us so much not to leave us there. But he sees us through it, takes us through those trials and tribulations, and actually uses what we've been through to encourage people and show others his goodness and faithfulness through it. And so Romans 8, 18 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. And I'm thankful to God that even when we're struggling in the present time, that he has so much more incredible things in store for us. And God is able to use our stories to reach more people for his glory. Amen, somebody? And Revelation 12, 11 says that they overcome him 
by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And the scripture's clear. We need the testimonies, the stories of our brothers and sisters in Christ as a, a source of strength and encouragement to overcome in our own lives. And these are bonfire stories. guys, it's Pastor Joe and a crew of awesome people sitting around a bonfire poking at it and we're just telling stories about God's faithfulness. Uh, the scriptures say in the book of Revelation that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And listen, Jesus is enough. We can overcome if we just know Jesus, but in the prevailing sense of life, you're going to overcome because you heard somebody else did it, that they won. That's why so many of the stories are in the Bible. And I love sitting around a bonfire and sharing stories with church family about the goodness of God. And Aaron, your story is so fun for me because um, I'm not saying that you completely remind you know me of you, but like you are a go-getter. You're in rugby. Uh, you're in track with shot and with uh, discus. Yeah? Or was it mainly shot, right? Uh, I did it. You just said, uh, so, my, my so, well, word. that does not remind yeah. me, of, <laughs> anyway, yeah, no, yeah. Those seven, um, and while all of that happened, you jumped in here, and I loved hearing a little bit about your story, but why don't you talk a little bit about what God was doing in your life, you came here, and, and you went from zero to 60, it's a cool story. Yeah, um, like, early high school, I went through a lot of anger issues, depression, anxiety, all the things. Um, it took a long time to rebound and like, I was born and raised in church. You know, I knew it, I, but it was, it was a Sunday thing. It wasn't, it wasn't anything that like, God was with you in the hard times and in the good times and whatever else, like he was to be praised. But I found a hard time putting that into my own life, having him in my daily life, understanding that. And, um, yeah, I met some really good friends that, well, a significant really good friend that we clicked in my criminal justice class, and um, we actually ended up both being co-captains my second year, and he was very, um, like, he led by example a lot, and he, he would just tell me, like, hey, you know, if we would be talking about something, something in my family or whatever else, like, we had a lot of the same family situations and whatever else, and he would just be like, you know, I'll pray for you. Like, let me know what I can do, but I'll pray for you. And it just showed me that, like, I can't say I trust God and then have to control everything in my life. Like, right. I have to look at it, and, you know, if I'm saying I'm trusting God, I have to go, I'm, I'm not going to tell you how to fix your relationship with your friend or whatever else. Like, you have to do that, but I'm going to be here to pray for you, and I'm going to take a step back. And, you know, I'll give you my advice and my input, but... That the truth is, like, I can't do it for you, and I can't give you the words to say that God has to put that on your heart. And that just really struck me that I need to take a step back, and I really needed to, the biggest thing was just humbling myself. Coming to New Chapel, 
um, came here with my siblings and I thought, oh yeah, it'll be fun. Like I've been there once with the Davises and was too young to really remember it, I guess. And I came back and I was like, wow, um, first time I've been on fire for God in four or five years. I didn't wow. remember what that was like. And I came back home and I was in scripture and I was reading my Bible and it was daily things. It was making the efforts. It was, I wanted to, I wanted to get into it. And I saw, like looking back, I saw how God put little things in my life. He put friends in my life to keep me good hearted at certain times and to be able to then inspire them later. And, you know, I filled my plate with too much responsibility. I was, you know, like you said, I played five sports and I did seven events in one sport and I've been captain of every team that I've been on. I was captain my junior and senior year of criminal justice, like being a leader amongst my peers, older and younger than me. It, I've always had a lot of pressure on myself and getting good grades and stuff. And it, it was humbling to have to realize like, I've always been the mom friend or the role model of my friend group, I guess. And realizing coming into church and getting in, especially groups made me realize like, it's okay to let my guard down. And yeah. God, you know, God's there and I didn't realize how much I had on my plate and how much I just shoved down or dealt with or didn't care about be cut until I started to be around other people and like I didn't even, baptism and like being baptized in the Holy Spirit was never something I'd ever, that was weird, that was, I'd never, <laughs> I'd never heard of that, like that was, I mean I heard of it but it wasn't something for me, you know, like that was just like not a thing in my life. Yeah. And then Rachel talked about it, how she had an inclination to you know, be baptized and she thought about it, but like, you don't, like if it's on your heart, do it because if it's not going to go away if God's putting that on your heart. And, you know, I was really hesitant about baptism and I just relied on that and I was like, you know what, I'm going to do it. I don't have an excuse. I'm not going to make an excuse. I'm not going to come up with a reason. Like, I need to hear from God. I was like, this is me hearing from God. This yeah. is me humbling myself before God and going, I'm, you're not asking for me to agree with you. You're asking for me to obey you and you're putting wow. this on my heart and pause hey sure <laughs> preaching that's good preaching god's not looking for your agreement he's looking for your obedience wow that's killer and uh, just asking god like i, I don't want to live a life that's not my goal is to always do something you know we all want to be important and stuff but I, you know i look around and just feeling disappointed with a lot of things and you know i put so much work and responsibility and effort into everything and not getting the reward from it. It's nice at the time, and but it's not rewarding to God. It's not giving back and looking at ways where, how can I use that leadership in my life? Hearing about your testimony, doing baseball. Like I didn't realize how sports were supposed to help me with God and share my testimony and stuff. Like I didn't realize that until you talked about that one time where, you know, I was like, what am I supposed to do when I, you know, like go out on the field before I pray during a rugby game, like, God, help me crush this. Like, help me so hard. Yes. 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 Yeah, like, yes. Yeah, I was like, what, what am I supposed to pray, God? I don't know. But just, and then, you know, you guys talked about, too, speaking in tongues. I didn't realize how freeing that would be for me. I, yeah. I couldn't do it the first time, and I just thought about it, and I sat in the car, and, you know, I listened to music, and I did things, and I realized, you know, sometimes I have a hard time praying at night or whatever, and realizing that I, it doesn't have to be sitting down and having this whole great prayer to God and just knowing that little times throughout my day like I probably every five ten minutes I'm like oh God blah, blah blah and like something I'll just rattle off something in my head or the little thoughts conversations I have with myself yeah. I didn't realize I wasn't having them with myself I was actually talking to God but it just wow. yeah. just kind of saw it that way yeah. and it was really good to see those things that I never realized you know I yeah. thought I was lost with God and I thought I'm striving and I'm trying and it's not working yeah. and 
being able to look at things from a different perspective from hearing that and realizing like I can use my position and responsibility to help other people and it doesn't have to, I don't have to have the responsibility in me like I can lean on them too and it was a really humbling experience to come in and get into groups and learn about that and learn how I'm looking at a field that puts me in direct contact with people who need it the most who need hope and yeah. that's a way like servant's heart I learned that you can uh, you know grow broke it down to the basics of uh, this is something I've known my whole life but I never really got into it I just knew it because I was told it as a kid and I accepted Christ but advocating for it myself and I had to go out and do it and then with servant's heart it was learning how to adapt my lifestyle and what I do and my my personality into what I'm doing and how to bring God into that every single day and not let it fail even despite my feelings despite what's going on you know as I listen to your story the thing that makes me most excited is that your faith went from here to here yeah your faith went from something you believed in because you were raised that way into Aaron making her faith yeah. her own. For sure. Your faith is your own. You got baptized, not because anybody asked you to. Yeah. You got filled with the Holy Spirit because you wanted all of God. And I think that people need to know that at a young age, at yeah. an older age in life, you can follow God and it's worth it. He's there for you on the other yeah. end. Aaron, thank you. It's yeah, huge. That's massive. Adam and Talia. And since I didn't introduce everybody, Adam and Talia, <laughs> Rachel and Pastor Brian, Pastor Joe, uh, but Adam and Talia, man, I love you guys. And uh, I, I feel like I could share your whole testimony for you. So I won't because I don't want to be that guy. But Man, I love that you guys plugged into church, but there's so much more than just seeing somebody on a Sunday. It's like there's a whole story behind it. And Adam, you were a church kid. God was working in your life from the time you were young. God was working in all of our lives, right? But but God was working in your life, and ultimately that, that led to some good things in the future. But give us a little bit of background about, about your story. So basically, yeah, I grew up in the church, and... That I played basketball all the time when I was little. Went, up, went to all the church basketball camps and just really just took all that in. Just loved it. Played with my best friend all the time. Um, so come middle school, I started playing for my middle school. And I was for the first couple of years, I was on the B team. And I was just loving it no matter what. I didn't care how good or bad it was. I was just loving it for what it was. But, you know, getting into middle school, it kind of get, it's kind of like an, I don't know, you get a lot of pride at that time, you know, kind of wanting to, be the best you could be so I'm trying out in eighth grade and I ended up not making the A team like I had planned on but that really like at that point really like broke my heart because that's like all I spent like all of my childhood doing was just playing basketball the whole time and it just just really ruined me at that point and but it also at the same time kind of changed my heart like I was like there's got to be more to life than just playing sports anyways I was like if it didn't pan out at this point like there's got to be something else for me to be doing so I just at that point, I really like, opened up my heart, and I was like, God, what do you want me to do with my life? Like, there's got to be something else out there. So at that point in eighth grade, I started like, listening to music more, kind of really diving into that, listening to that skillet and switchfoot and all these classics from back in the day. Hard like, stuff. Back in the day. Oh, yeah, yeah. So hard. Skillet. Headbangers, <laughs> yeah. But, like, so I would be listening to that, and I'd be, like, like listening to music in the shower or, like, just in the car, just, like, just listening to it. I'd notice, like, certain parts of it were, like, like more like on like the low tones of the music it was really like like it hit different like it was 
within. Like, I was like, something about that just seems different. So, and every time I heard that, I would be like, God, do you want me to do something with music? Like, is there something there that I'm missing? Like, is, is there direction in that? So, and I remember I asked that, like, all through, like, my, it was the summer going into ninth grade. And um, I was up in Mackinac camping with the family. I was just sitting, like, under the, what do you call it, under the trailer and the camping chair. And I was just, like, listening to a, it was a song by Switchfoot called On Fire. Basically what it's doing, it's talking about, like, what it feels like to hear from God. And literally, like, while I was listening to that, I asked God, it's like, do you want me to play bass guitar? And all of a sudden, like, he responded immediately. He's like, I want you to play bass guitar. Like, I felt like, like I just, wow. it was like a feeling, but you also hear, you awesome. know, hard to explain. But, yeah, like, and I, I remember, like, like, the pressure that was on me. So it was just, like, pushing me into the seat. Like, it was so intense. I thought I was going to die, but I was, I was kind of okay with it because it felt good. You know? like, <laughs> it was, it was, I was like, I was totally it's power God. It was, yeah, it was fantastic. Like, I remember, like, from that moment on, just, like, 180 degrees, like, knew exactly what I needed to do. But I just remember that night, like, laying in the tent next to my brother. Like, I was just, like, bawling my eyes out because, like, it was, it was, like, so life-changing for me. Like, I had no idea that was what God had for me. Wow. But, yeah, so from there How on, old were you when that happened? Uh, that was summer of eighth grade, going into ninth grade, so wow. like thirteen or fourteen. So. so, you had this conviction. If some of it was a family value, and some of it was that moment where you, you knew you had to be on fire for God, and you were talking to me about the season where you just found yourself you just weren't there, or if if you stayed where you were, it was going to stagnate, and. That word that God spoke to Abraham and so many others, just like, get up, and and God brought you here. Tell me a little bit about that season and what God was doing in your life. You'd, you'd met Talia by that spot, right? So, yeah, I met her in my seat after I graduated, like, literally, like, right after high school. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, I was playing bass guitar all through high school at that point and getting good at that. Met Talia at McDonald's. That was, that was pretty romantic. <laughs> very, very lovely. Say it, Talia. It was big, big love. love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was love at first sight. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, so basically I met Talia at McDonald's. You know, we were working together for a year or so, but I immediately I was like, I'm bringing her to church. Like, she's going to church with me. She doesn't like it, and she's out. You had, <laughs> you had no out. church background or a little church background? Um, what would that um, look like? A little bit. Yeah. Uh, my dad was adopted. His parents were Seventh-day Adventists, so I went. I grew up, you know, up until I was probably in middle school. Uh, just going on and off to their church on Saturdays. It was never really regular for us, but whenever we were with them, we went. Um, so I knew of God. Mm-hmm. I knew that I believed in God, mm-hmm. but I never really grew up, you know, knowing that he could do, he could be so life-changing. Yeah. Now, I never recommend missionary dating, but <laughs> it was love at first sight. What are you going to do? Like, I was just totally out of the church. Yeah. I was not focused on God. I, had, yeah. I could care less about it when he was so that kind of no a drawing intention. point, though? I mean, like, this guy loves well, he God. Well, he didn't really, like, talk about it yeah. when we met. It was just more of like, hey, you know, are you busy Wednesday? You want to go to a, you know, church group with me? And I'm just thinking, like, well, I just want to hang out with you, so where you're going? <laughs> <laughs> so, and then I went, and uh, he nope. didn't He didn't even, like, you know, try to, like, keep me there, like, keep me going. It wasn't, yeah. like, trying to, like, force feed me everything that he knows and what he grew up with. It was just like, hey, come hang out. Mm-hmm. And then I'm... A Sunday, a couple weeks later, he was like, "Yeah, you, can come, you should come with me Sunday." So I was like, "All right." And then I've been going ever since. It was before we and you started. You found dating. God that season, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. It was probably the following year. Yeah. Wow. Where I decided that that was going to be what my life 
was going to be right. was following God. So now you guys are are coming out of the season of stagnation. You're plugging in here, and lo and behold, look who's on base. Yep. You yep. know, <laughs> and serving God in that way. How wild! And I don't think that that's self fulfilling prophecy. I think that that's God yeah. being like, "This is where you're going." Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, basically. The church we were going to together, where I initially brought Tulia, um, I, they had like huge, crazy stage, like with all this like wild music, like just like such a setup. And I was like, that'd be really fun to play. But at the same time, I was like, I don't know if that's where I, like I don't know if that's where I'm feeling called to play. Like I, and I ar- like not argued with God, but I, like fought with that for the longest time. Like should I should I like make a move to play up there? And I just never felt the like I never felt the draw to like go for it and pursue it. So. Um, my, my cousin, she went here, and she told me about, like, well, they're looking for a bass player at New Chapel. Because I've, 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 at this point, I was already kind of, like, church shopping, kind of looking around <laughs> a little bit. God, where do you want me? Exactly, yeah. yes. Yeah. And so she was like, well, why don't you come here? Because they have, like, they literally are, like, the same values, you know, like, what they believe in, like, what your church believes in. So I came here a few times, and I saw that the worship leader was, like, wanting a bass guitarist. And I was like, mm, maybe. So I came a few more times after that, like, because I was kind of hesitating. So I was just... I was honestly just kind of nervous because I never really approached someone, especially like on such a personal setting. Because that's how it is here; like everything's personal, and like that. And I learned to appreciate that like big time. But I, uh, I was talking. I ended up coming back and talked to the worship leader, and he said, "Yeah, I want you to come and try out on Wednesday night." And I was like, "Okay." So that was the scariest moment of my life. But I was like, <laughs> at the same time, it was like it was like the most relaxed I've ever played too. So I was like, "This wow. is definitely where I need to be." And then he brought me into the back, to the um, into the backstage, and he like showed me the signs like we've literally been praying for a baseball like forever and I wow like, i was like yeah there were like so many opportunities for him to play at the other church and yeah. i was just like why don't you get up there go up there and do it like his dad played piano up there but then coming here like i said the feeling and the presence and just like your preaching and everything like everything you guys talk about we were just like we got to keep praying i think it was probably like two or three months of praying where we decided like this is where we we're gonna stay so, wow yeah and you jumped in both feet. So you're on the stage. And then, I mean, this last year you were at New Chapel Grove and it was amazing. You got filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, I think it was this last August when we had our beach baptisms, Pastor Brian and I, and your husband, we we baptized you in Lake Michigan. I love that moment. That was so cool. I think there's nothing like a spouse baptizing a spouse. Like I I love that. Husband baptizing a wife tops, just saying. (laughs) And, you know, it's amazing because when you immersed yourself in this, all of a sudden you are on fire. You're right where you're supposed to be. And there's nothing in the world like being exactly, knowing that you're exactly where you're supposed to be. That's amazing. And, you know, Talia, I mean, with all the the contrast and backgrounds, church kid, you know, you faced hard things. But look at what God did. And you just announced it, so I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say it. You just announced that you guys are expecting. Yep. How exciting. Baby number one. A baby boy. Oh, baby. you don't know yet. But I'm calling those things which be not as though they were. But, uh, you know, like if the Lord tarries, right, if Jesus doesn't come back in my lifetime or in, in your child's lifetime, you know, they're going to grow up in a Christian family. And how much better is that than what I grew up in? I mean, you and I probably have a, a very similar, you know, Oh, we put up Christmas trees. I had a relative that loved God and knew God. But, you know, your child's going to be able to grow up in a way that is God-honoring and in a family that's on fire. And it's because you were plugged in and you were immersed to what God was doing. 
The Bible says in Psalm 92 and verse 13, those that are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of their God. And Adam and Talia and Aaron, I mean, you guys immersed yourself in it. Well, praise the Lord. God's good. Amen. Amen. Scripture says in Psalm 92, in verses 12 through 14, that the righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. That those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Scripture says that those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. And then it goes on and says that they shall bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. Those who are planted will be blessed. The, this word flourish, it's not, it's not typically a word that we would use if we're talking in uh, our day-to-day -day lives. Like if somebody came up to me and said, hey, Brian, how are you doing? I really wouldn't say, I'm flourishing, bro. Like that's, that's not typically how we speak, but it bears out that those who are planted will be blessed will be prosperous, that will be connected relationally with our brothers and sisters in Christ, that will be emotionally engaged and fulfilled. And unfortunately, many Christians today, if we were using that language, would not use the word flourishing to describe their situation. Many people would say, instead of spiritually flourishing, I'm spiritually dry. Many would say instead of I'm thriving emotionally, many would say that I'm emotionally withering. So many would say instead of being connected relationally, many would say that I don't have very many godly relationships in my life that I can depend on. So many would say that I'm not blessed financially. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I don't have room to be a blessing for others. So many would say instead of being fulfilled spiritually, making a difference, full of joy, so many would say, I'm still searching, longing for, hoping to find that thing that I'm missing on the inside. And I'm here to tell you today that if that describes your situation, what you're looking for is found on the other side of making a decision to passionately pursue Christ, to immerse, fully immerse ourselves in all that God is doing. It's just like you said, it's about being immersed in, in what God is doing. And I really love your story because when you came to this church, this wasn't the first time you'd been to church in your life. You'd, you'd been to church in the past. Talk a little bit about your story, especially when you were younger, because you were in a Christian home, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I grew up going to church every Sunday, being forced to go to church on Sunday. Why do you put it that way? <laughs> I just, um, <laughs> you were forced. <laughs> no sleepovers on Saturdays. Um, right. And, you know, I kind of just got involved in more of like a social scene in school. Um, I actually, I was in a, I was, I was in a Bible study group all the way through middle school, ninth grade, and then sophomore year hit and 
um, you know, my interest changed more into guys and um, normal, yeah, normal, yeah, and yeah, drinking, drugging, if you want to call it that, um, and and that's just, the world pulling you out of normal desires yeah, into more. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Because I mean, I remember specific times, even eighth, seventh, eighth, ninth grade, that I would talk to my um, non-Christian friends about God, um, and then I just totally fell off that path and um, was way more interested in um, getting the approval of guys and friends and popularity and um, that sort of thing. And that's kind of how I lived my life for a really long time, <laughs> um, to the point where I started dating a guy and uh, it was a very unhealthy relationship. He was not a Christian. He um, kind of secluded me from my family and um, friends and positive influences and just really beat me down to where I'd look in the mirror and I didn't even see myself anymore. Um, hated myself and um, I ended up getting pregnant and had Jack and um, it was crazy because in the moment, like even when I was pregnant, he was just terrible. <laughs> I hope he gets saved. But um, even in the hospital, I had a realization um, that I needed God. And my brother and my parents and his girlfriend at the time came in and they like prayed over me and prayed over Jack and um, pastors at their church came in to visit and did the same thing for me and Jack. And, um, you know, I ended the relationship with Jack's dad right away, um, still, which was hard because of where he had you know, kind of manipulated me to feel about myself, and I just knew that's not who God had for me. I knew that's wow. not yeah. what God really thought, you know, told me who I was. Like, I've always been a leader. I've always been um, very vocal and opinionated <laughs> and um, honest, and I wasn't with myself when I was with this person. So, But the um, things that your parents put in you... Told me. There was things. a North Star. Oh, absolutely. In, in the... You know, you made peace with God when you were a kid. That that North Star, Jesus is saying, uh-uh, that's, mm -hmm. that's not how it is. Yeah, I definitely think that even though I say I didn't like going to church, it was, that's what got me to kind of where I am now, um, knowing that, that um, that's not God's best for my life. And um, so, yeah, so, you know, I was, I've been a single mom, and um, it's just me and Jack. Dad's not really in the picture. I have great help from my brothers and my dad and um, the church and school and stuff like that. But um, I really just wanted to make sure that Jack knows that he has a heavenly father. Yeah. Um, that was huge for me. Um, and actually, my aunt passed away a few years ago, and that was one of the things she said to me, too, was just to be, um, to raise Jack knowing who Jesus is because... Wow. Yeah. So anyways, I was going to a church out in Lowell for a while and then Jack and I moved out of the area and I was looking for a new church, um, something smaller. I was raised going to a really large church, which is a challenge for me. And um, the church I was going to in Lowell was also pretty big. And so my brother and Janelle found this church and invited me here and we have a so. so when you came, what I love about it is 
you had all kinds of knowledge from when you were younger. Mm-hmm. You have this pull for more. You knew that you needed to do something for your son. Right. And I think a lot of people find themselves in your spot where it's about them. They need to know God. Right. But in an unexpected way, God starts doing his thing in your life. Mm-hmm. And you start plugging into groups. And it was it was at your house, right, with yeah. with your wife. Yeah, it was at uh, a group. Nine, I actually led at the church. But okay, yeah, yeah. Coming, you were bringing Jack, and we were so elated to see you. And the journey that you've been on has been just incredible. I love that she got plugged into um, a group where she could be herself, where you could be honest. And yeah. I hope that you saw that that real um, edge I think New Chapel is known for. If nothing else, we're real. You know, I mean, we're raw. And I hope that that disarmed you. I think that's what happened. You were able to be yourself as well. Yeah. And, and sink into this thing. And it's amazing to watch, not just for Jack's sake, but what God did in Rachel's life. Right. That means something. Talk to me about that. What's God doing in your life? Um, well, during this whole pandemic thing, yeah. um, I would go days doing like the Googling and the conspiracy theories and, <laughs> um, you know, all the stuff that you see all over social media. And it would get me down to a point where I was like, scared just scared out of my mind and so I would um like talk to my brother um my brother Matt a lot about things and just other people and I would immediately go this is not like this is going to happen and that's okay because I know Jesus and Jesus has got me so my um fear was completely eliminated I mean it was like a process yeah and um I think just being connected in other groups outside of the church, there were a lot of people who were feeling the same way as me. I'm in a workout group, and um, a lot of the women, you know, like, talk, whatever, and so I would invite them here to New Chapel, and (laughs) you say, like, New Chapel's real raw, and that is, like, totally what they love about New Chapel, like Colleen and Kat, um, especially who have now been coming. Yeah. Um working on other people always. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> so um, just being able to get people out of that sense of like fear and knowing that God is ultimately in control. Yeah. Because uh, I, I was there. So. Well, he's in control because you put him in control. You made him Lord. Mm-hmm. And that change had an effect on you. That change had an effect on some of your friends in the workout group. I've watched them come here, accept Christ, take next steps, get plugged in. Mm -hmm. And all the while, the person that avoided church has now become like a sales rep for Jesus. (laughs) And you're like, I'm working on him. And I'm thinking like, can you hear what you're saying? You know what I mean? Because when church can finally stop being sing song and it can really get down to the root of what people are going through and address the problems, and I think that was our strength, especially in all the shutdowns and everything. Mm-hmm. This is what you're going through. Let's talk about it. Yeah. Freedom comes from God, not yeah. from government. Right. No man can take it away. That stirs people, and they know it's true. Yeah. They know it. And the things that you knew, it went from here to here. And now, similar to Aaron's story, it is not your parents' faith, and it's not just the Jesus you agree with. And I'm safe, so I'm not going to hell. It's I love God. I know God. This is my church. These are my people. I'm in. And and that's significant. And what that really led to was Jack made the decision, came to you, 
for a while, uh, as I understand it, had interest in being baptized, but came to you when we were offering baptism and yeah. asked to be baptized. Yes. How cool was that? Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> mom was, win, right? Yeah, it was a mom win. Um, I like to give credit to my parents, too, a lot, because yeah. they've really helped me. Um, yes, and my brothers, too. Um, but, yeah, it was awesome to be, like, next to him with my brother, Matt, who's, like, one of my best friends yeah. and a huge influence on Jack's life, and get, baptizing them with my parents watching, and mm-hmm. it was cool. What a powerful moment. Yeah. And, you know, if the Lord doesn't come back in, in our lifetime or in his um a, I'd be surprised, but mm-hmm. beyond that, uh, you changed your family tree. He now is being raised in a spot where he's just this type A leader, but he's in an environment where he's making these decisions. He's not being forced to, and you can see how that changes everything. God's doing his thing, and, and in all of your stories, you were immersed in what God had for you. There was a next step that he had, and... And for each and every one of us, even church kid here, there came a tipping point for you. Hey, where, I was a church kid. Yeah, you were a church kid. <laughs> you were hiding in a different yeah. room. We know, you know, but no, but like, candy. you know, there was a tipping point where we had to make a decision for ourselves. And when we did it, we were the better for doing it. You made Jesus Lord. You follow him. You get baptized in water. But really, what do we say with baptism with water? It's an outward sign of an inward work. You immersed yourself in God. And it changes our story. That's the power of a testimony. That's the power of chasing after your God. Hallelujah. Yeah, let's give God praise. Absolutely. Hallelujah. What happens when we're immersed in what God has for us and planted in his house? You know, life's not perfect, but your faith will be strong. Your roots will grow deep. You'll have brothers and sisters in Christ praying for you. You're needed and loved, a part of something greater than yourself. And you'll see the fruit of your pursuit of Christ taking place in your friends and your family members for godly purpose. And it's important for us in the room to recognize that our life is like a seed. Our life is like a seed. Like a seed, your life has tremendous potential. When a, when a seed is planted, it has the potential to grow, to thrive, to multiply, to produce fruit, and to be a blessing to others. But when a seed isn't planted, it lies dormant, unproductive, unsatisfied, and unfruitful. You know, Jesus, he taught a parable about this in Matthew chapter 13. And the scripture says that, and he, referring to Jesus, told them many things in parables, saying, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path. They they didn't even hit the soil. And the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil. And immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns. And and Jesus says that the thorns in this parable are the worries, the concerns 
of this life. They fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Do you see it in the parable? Some, they're, they're not going to even take the first step. That's, that's the first, first example, the seed that doesn't fall on any soil. That's not even getting started. Some start, but then they fade away. And others, they start to thrive spiritually. But the concerns, the worries of this life, Cause them to fall away. But then Jesus said that other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some some thirty. And the seed in this parable is the word of God, but it's important to understand that our lives are just like that. That that seed, when we're planted, will produce fruit and be able to be a blessing to others. And it's okay if you're on the beginning of this journey because a seed takes time to grow. And in fact, a seed takes five things to grow. It takes soil, light, water, temperature, and time. It takes soil, the soil of your heart. How's your heart doing? Anybody that you need to forgive, anybody that you need to Release, give your anxieties, your cares to God. It takes light. You know, Scripture says that the Word of God is a lamp unto your feet and a light to your path. Are we being consistent in God's Word? Because He will lead and guide you. Are we taking the time to get to know God's character through His Word? It takes water. Jesus said that He would be living water for us that he would wash and refresh our soul. It takes temperature, and that is the power of the Holy Spirit, the fire of the Holy Spirit that will warm that seed and help that grow in our hearts. And the question with that is, are we allowing to, uh, ourselves to be led by God's Spirit? Are we opening our hearts to hear where his Spirit is leading us? And it takes time. You know, if we were planting a tree, when would the best time to plant that seed be? The answer is 20 years ago, right? But the next best time is right now. In the same way, when's the best time to make the decision to passionately pursue a relationship with Christ, to immerse ourselves in everything that God is doing, and to make the decision to become planted in the house of the Lord? The answer is 20 years ago, but the next best time is right now. And so, Father, I pray, and I thank you for your word. I thank you for the seed of your word that you're sowing into the hearts of your people right now. God, and I pray that that seed would fall on good soil, that you'd show us that it's worth it to become immersed in everything that you're doing. And God, I pray that you do what I can't do. God, that you'd change hearts in this place. God, that you'd give us the desire to passionately pursue you. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to, for a moment, speak to those people in the room today where if you're in here and you said, I have not made Jesus 
Lord of my life. I tell you, friend, it is the greatest decision that you will ever make. It starts with recognizing that I'm a sinner apart from Christ and I need a Savior. The Bible asks us to repent of our sins. And that just means to purpose it in your heart. Not to do that anymore. To turn your back on that sin. You know, Jesus came to this earth, the perfect, sinless Son of God, and died on a cross in our place. And the Bible says that he was raised from the dead three days later. Scripture says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that you would be saved. And we're going to say a prayer here in a moment, but I just want to say making Jesus Lord Yes, it secures an eternity in heaven. You'll avoid a Christless hell. But you're saved for an eternal purpose on earth today. God will fill you with his spirit. You'll have peace and joy. And although life won't be perfect, you'll be able to have peace in all of the craziness. And so we're going to say a prayer. And the Bible says if you mean it, in your heart that you will be saved. And you're surrounded by Christians in here who are going to be saying it right alongside you as a declaration of their faith and in support of you. And before we say this, I just want to uh, say, I'm not going to stand you up. I'm not going to have you come to the front. But I want to be able to agree with you on the word of God if that's you in this room. Just go ahead, just really quick, slip your hand in the air for me. I want to be praying and agreeing with you. Yep, thank you. Awesome. I see your hand. Thank you. Good job. Anybody else? Praise the Lord. Repeat this prayer after me. Lord, I come before you today in search of a new way. You said in your word, if I would call Jesus Lord, that I would be saved. Jesus, I now call you Lord. I believe that God raised you from the dead. I ask you'd forgive me of my sins and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for washing me clean. Thank you for putting your spirit in me. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. Come on, can we give God praise for the people who made that decision today? Hallelujah. And if that's you in the room and you made that decision today, please come connect with our prayer partners who are going to be in the altars afterwards. We want to answer any questions you may have, get you some materials to kind of help you. You know, I just made this decision. You're going to have questions. Let us help you with that. Understand some of the basics of the faith, the transformation, and the decision that you made today. Uh, a couple of announcements before I dismiss and get you guys off to the rest of your week. Uh, number one is groups launch this week. Let me tell you, you need a small group. 
You need to be surrounded by other believers who can build you up, encourage you, hold you accountable, and that you can grow alongside of. And you can find those at guest services or at newchapel.com slash groups. Also, uh, New Chapel Connect starts today. Partnership one. Uh, it's 15 minutes after we dismiss service. There's going to be lunch, Jimmy John's, Coke, chips, the whole deal. Child care's uh, provided. You can just leave them back in class. They're going to get a snack back there as well. Uh, if you're new or if you want to plug in or if you just want to know what this thing's all about, stay after and join us for New Chapel Connect. Uh, and then also, it's not in uh, on my announcement document, but I just want to give God praise. If you've been uh, trekking with us with the Our Next Move campaign, I just want to report to you that last week, uh, the daycare passed its local inspection. And can we just give God praise for that? Absolutely. We have our state inspection on Tuesday. So y'all be praying with us and agreeing with us that that's going to go uh, awesome. Uh, and things are really picking up pace with Chapel Ridge. And so we're going to have more information about enrollment. If you're in here and you have young kids, you're looking for child care, we're going to have more information to come with that. But would you all stand up on your feet with me? I want to pray over you as we go on to the rest of our week. Would you lift your hands for the blessing? And now, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And as you go, awesome. Have an awesome week, New Chapel. We hope that you were encouraged and brought closer to God during this message. You can listen to any of our past messages and series either on this podcast or on newchapel.com slash watch. And be sure to connect with us on Facebook or Instagram to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel.